Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 191 and we're going to be interviewing Timothy. How you doing, Timothy? Doing good. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm excited to do this as usual. So let's get started here. Um, first question I ask everybody is, tell me about your childhood and growing up. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a middle-class family in North Alabama, uh, out in the country. And uh, actually, no one in my family, like, drank or, you know, my dad smoked cigarettes, but, uh, you, you know, there was no addiction or anything. And, and I would say we were not maybe upper middle class, but middle class. Uh, I had a great family. Uh, you know, I, I, I analyze myself all the time. I try to and figure out maybe where I went wrong or, or you know what I mean. And, and yeah. I was thinking uh, something that might have, when I was, you know what I mean? I'm sure I've been trying to figure it out, but, uh, uh, but I, I can't blame it on anybody but me. And, and that's why I know this is a disease I have that, uh, it, you know, it was, uh, I know I've made bad choices, but you know, it's gotta be a disease because my parents, they, they were great. And my, my, my whole family was so, uh, you know, but, uh, I, I came <laughs> from a good family. That's good. How did you do in school? I did real good. I, I was a, a real good basketball player and, uh, actually got a scholarship when I was in the ninth grade to a private school because of uh, the way basketball. So, uh, and I I made good grades, uh, had a good social life. uh, And, you know, I I don't really, uh, I had a great school and a great childhood, put it like that. That's obviously um, usually not the case a lot of times. That's good for you. It's good that you had a good childhood because a lot of people I speak to, that's one of the reasons uh, they led into addiction was they had a terrible upbringing. Mm-hmm. But uh, my parents never fought. They, you know, it was, uh, they lived the American dream. Uh, you know, the <clears throat> house, the two cars, three kids and, you know. That's great. So at what age were you first introduced to any type of drug or alcohol? I scored my first touchdown when I was in the seventh grade. And what is it uh, called? Snorting your first touchdown? What I I actually I scored my first touchdown playing football. And after the game, some guys in the ninth grade, we smoked weed. Oh, and, gotcha. At the celebration. Yes, and it was downhill ever since. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, you know, I think about that every day. And, like, that was uh, over 45 years ago. And, and, you know, I can't remember a whole lot, but I knew the first time I smoked it that I liked it. And then, you know, then the rest was history. Yeah. I started uh, skipping school, uh, and then, like, I skipped 100-something days in a row one time. 
And all I did was smoke weed every day, all day. Well, it was that bad, huh? It was real bad. But, uh, you know, once I kicked this addiction in, like, first time I used, uh, I, I, I mean, it's been chaos. It was chaos the whole time. Like, uh, I had, when I first quit, like my mom asked me she was like so how do you feel I said I don't know how I feel I've I've never been clean so I didn't know what clean felt like you know what I mean a normal mindset and all that but uh it it was uh I'm probably the worst of the worst when you know when I when I kicked this addiction in I mean it got really bad why do you think the marijuana got so bad? Oh, <clears throat> uh, it—I really don't know. I just knew I liked it, and, and I've been the type of person my whole life that uh, if I like something, I'm putting everything I got into it, like sports and like—I mean, I was going to be the best it ever was that whatever you know. I was that type of person, and, and I really don't know why. But then in the early 80s, uh, you know, cocaine got to be the thing. And, you know, it, you know, there went to marijuana out the window. Then here comes cocaine and, you know. How did marijuana and, make you feel? Oh, it made me forget my problems for, for a little bit. And then, you know, uh. And I like the way it made, I like getting high. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I really love to get high. And, uh, you know, that's just the, the God's honest truth about it. So you said you found yourself doing cocaine. What age was that? Oh, uh, I, I started, uh, Snorting on the week, you know, doing it, using it on the weekend. Tried to just use it on the weekend and work, and you know that didn't work either. So it got completely out of control. And then uh, that's when the in and out of jail and in and out of prison started. I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't hear. You. I didn't hear you. What what age were you when you first started? Oh, uh, the cocaine. I was. Uh, let's see. I was probably twenty-two or three. Okay, so is it you were smoking weed for quite some time before you progressed cocaine? Oh yeah, and, and you know what? Back, you know, I'm pretty old, so. But you know, marijuana was like, it's not like today. You know, just freely open. You know, I mean, it was pretty tough to get in the late uh, late seventies, middle seventies. You know, Vietnam, actually, I think when uh, everybody came back from Vietnam, that's when, you know, I, it, it all started. Did you serve in the military? No. Okay. But uh, I, I've been in and out of jail all my life. Actually, the first time I went to jail, I got busted with some pot. And, uh, you know, I think I got busted with three or four joints, and I thought I was going to have to do three years. You know, Alabama, we don't, uh, they send you to prison in Alabama. 
yeah, for drugs. They don't, they don't mess and around. We don't have any kind of recovery. So. So what age, you said you were how old when you first went to jail? 22? Uh, 22. Were you scared? And, uh, it, it, um, they give you a number when you go in there and you keep that number from then on. I had a four-digit number. Everybody else had six digits. <laughs> and I'm in there with, you know, and they look at my badge with my four-digit number, and they're like, good Lord, what year did you come to jail the first time? <laughs> and, and I think 78 was the first year I went to jail. So and how uh, old were you? Uh, 19. Okay. 18 or 19. That must have been scary going to jail at such a young age. It really was. And uh, what really scary is uh, after I had been so many times and been in and out of prison that it didn't bother me. That's what really scared me worse than anything. When going to jail and uh, prison doesn't bother you, that's something you're, you're thinking is not right. Yes. Know? And, and uh, you you know, I know you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I really thank God that I, I went, it took everything that I've been through to get where I'm at today. And, and I thank God for it. And, and I wouldn't change anything. Like, I wouldn't go back and change anything because uh, I wouldn't be clean today if it wasn't for, like, going to jail and said, you know what I mean? I, I learned a little something every time. I, I got, a, you know, I, I really didn't know it at the time, but when I got clean and I looked back, like, uh, you know, I can see where I, I learned this this time and this the next time. And, and you know, and I, I'm really thankful that, uh, you know, for jail. I, I wouldn't be alive. I shouldn't be here talking to you today. That's it, you know. I've been getting high for, uh, you know, over 45 years. I've been using drugs. So, you know, I, I, I'm i just thankful today that I, I'm clean and sober. And yeah, you... uh, I did drink, and, you know. My drinking wasn't as bad as the drug use. I mean, you know, but I would get to use and then I'd start drinking. Yeah, you're not the first person to tell me that they learned stuff in jail. Because some people said jail was the only reason they got sober. Like they said, a judge sent them to jail, and it was the first time they were sober in years upon years, and it helped them. Yes, it, it really did. And, and, you know, one of my most proudest accomplishments, I, I mean, I'm like the proudest I've ever been of myself, is, you know, I heard all my life from my mom and dad, you could have been, you know, because I was pretty smart and I made good grades. And, and they would always say, we, you know, look, you wasted your life, you know. And, and the, the, uh, the next to the last, the next to the last time I went to the county jail, I had a two and a half million dollar bond. So, you know, I'm not going nowhere or doing nothing. I'm in a cell 24 hours a day, and I didn't kill anybody. And it was a, it was a drug crime. And uh, I took a, uh, a course the first time ever. And I took a GED course, and I got my GED while I was in jail. 
And, and the best part of it is they dressed me in civilian clothes. Now, still shackled and handcuffed. I went and I made a 748 out of a, 800, a possible 800 on the test score for my GED. And I was, that was at age 50. And that was probably one of, you know, I, I did it. I, I did it for my parents. You you know what I mean? I actually did it for myself, and it made me feel good. But it sure made my mama feel good that you know I got that GED. That's good. It it when I look back over my life, recovery. It, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I'm in love with my recovery. Like you know, I didn't know how to love like unconditional love. And I've learned that, and, and, you know, I got my GED, and uh, I think I was pretty good in shackles and handcuffs, and, and I made the highest score in there that day. <laughs> the lady that uh, does the GED thing, when she brought my certificate and stuff down to the jail, and, and you know, I, on Thanksgiving that year, I was on the front page of the Huntsville Times, you know, receiving my... Uh, diploma and everything and you you know that's not a good place to get one but you know if you're gonna you know at least i accomplished something i i tried to every time i went to jail or prison i took every substance abuse program possible and because i mean i really hate this uh disease that i have but but i know i'm you know i know that i'm gonna have it till the day they put me in the ground and I'm going to keep doing whatever it takes every day to make a successful day. And, and you know, I've been thinking about this, what we, you know, a successful day for me is not to use, you know, and then all the other stuff's just extra. But, uh, you know, I, I love recovery. I know the feeling. I mean, I say to myself, look where I am. I would have never been doing this if I was still you know, exactly. my active addiction. I would have been sitting here drinking already. That's but, all I used to do is I used to wake up, grab a drink, have a cigarette, and start my day. And then maybe around 10 a.m., I would go, instead of drinking wine, I would go and get uh, liquor. And I'd start yeah. drinking liquor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh you, you know, my job every day was to, to get some more high. I never, I tried not to ever come down if it was possible. <laughs> you know, then that's one of them things where I can't lie to myself. And, and like I said, I've always, you know, wanted to be the best at what I was doing. And, and you know, that's why whenever I figured out this, I love this life we have now. You know what I mean? I love waking up clean and sober every day. And, and I love, uh, you know, it, we don't got nothing nobody else can't have. And, you know, if you put in as much work, I try to put in as much work as I used to getting high, not to get high now. So, you know, that's one of my goals every day. So at what point in your life did you say, okay, I have a problem and I need to get help? I think I was uh, at, in prison and uh, 
I was taking a substance abuse, like I'm trying to make parole, so I'm gonna go over here and take this substance abuse program. I'm trying to manipulate the system, and uh, and I'm in there and actually, uh, I'm reading the big book and like trying to be the best I can be at you know at uh, in prison at the, in the SAP class substance abuse program. And I was like, I really, I really have got a problem. But I mean, you know, I, I, I think I realized then I, I, I was insane. I'm keep doing the same thing, expecting you know a different outcome. So I, I, I realized then I had to change everything that I was doing. I had to change my thinking. And, and you know, here's one thing I thank God too. Just because I was clean, you know, uh, like when going to prison, when I I didn't use in prison, and by the way, drugs are cheaper, you know, but uh, it was easy for me to stay clean. And I'm like, hey, I may be in here the rest of my life. Just, you know, I know the judge threatened me with that if I quit coming born. But, uh, you, you know, I was willing to accept living in prison the rest of my life because I was living in prison out here on the streets in this addiction and I realized then that I had a, a real bad problem and you know I got out and I stayed I did about five years six years I got out and I stayed out 45 days and I'm a, a book guy and the book told me that I was gonna get out Okay, I don't have to use anymore, but I can sell it, and I can still hang out with. No, you can't. <laughs> Forty-five days later, after six years in prison, I'm headed back to prison, and that's the that's what really that's when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of sleeping on that little thin mat, you know, in prison. So. That's when I, I really got serious. And, and I had, I come, my parents and my, my kids, they kind of, uh, they, they were uh, enablers. So when I went back them after I stayed out them 45 days, I, I, I applied for a halfway house. And uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, I call it halfway home because it was my home. And uh, it, when I got out that time, I got out with five months left on a 21-year sentence on a drug charge. And uh, I had five months left. And they let me out again. I'm like, I, I'm, there's no way I'm, you know. So I go and I don't tell anybody, like, I'm from North Alabama, but I'm in South Alabama, Montgomery. And I don't tell anybody that I'm out. I go to this halfway house. I don't have a dollar. I'm wearing prison boots. And, and you know, I always thought, you know, I'm better than this. Well, I rode a bus every day, and I cleaned the floor at a chicken house for $9 an hour. And, you know, I thank God for that because that's where I learned to be humble. And uh, you wouldn't believe that uh, I did that for nine months. 
and, and making, you know, nine dollars an hour. But I worked all the overtime I could, and I really felt good about myself. I bought me a car. I saved up six or seven thousand. You know, I did it all myself, and, and you know that was uh, made me feel a lot better about myself. And when I got out that time, I got out on a Monday night. I went to a meeting Monday night. You, you know, I started the ninety and ninety. I did one twenty and ninety. I was like, I ain't going back this time. I'm going to go above and beyond whatever the book says. So, uh, and uh, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that halfway house and riding that bus in Montgomery, Alabama. And, and I know in my heart that, you know, I, every little thing that I've done, like, you know, the, being the humble part, that, that really saved my life. So, so tell me this, how do you stay sober nowadays? How, how do I stay sober now? Yep. I, I live, uh, actually, I had a friend of mine, uh, she was like, hey, you want me to come get you? I was at the halfway house. I was like, no, I, I, I'm staying here. I love, you know, I, I live the program. I mean, I honestly, I live a simple life. I try to keep my life as simple as possible. You know, uh, when I was in Montgomery, I was telling my story two or three nights a week. I was out promoting halfway house. I was, uh, I was big time in my NA group. I was uh, a representative, and every weekend I was out doing something. And you know, somebody told me at a meeting one night that. Uh, if you put an elephant on D.D.'s plate, she can't eat it but one bite at a time. And I kind of got over, I over learned, you know how you overextend yourself. Well, I overextended myself there. And, and you know, it started putting the pressure. So I, I've learned every day that I, I have to keep it simple as possible. No, I hate drama. Uh I get up the same time every day. I do the, I, I'm on the same, uh, I drink a glass of orange juice every day. I used to drink coffee every day, smoke cigarettes, but I'm trying to be healthy because I, I really don't know why I'm still here. But uh, I, I know that if somebody my age can quit and, uh, and, and work this, if you work this program, you 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 know put your heart and soul into it you can you can do it so what's a day like what do you do you know each day do you have any type of prayer or anything special that you do yeah i get up first thing i read just for today and uh i, I do have a prayer that i say and, and i learned something in a, a prison program that I, I do every day before i get out of bed I, I And you can't use the same thing every day. What are you grateful for? What am I going to be grateful for today? Because, you know, a grateful addict will never use again. So I, I'm, I do that. I have a, you know, I do the grateful thing I, just for today. And I meditate and, uh, and I read several pages of the book uh, in the morning, like, and, and I work Sunday through Wednesday, and uh, 
somebody told me last night at work, I told them I had bought Powerball tickets. And I said, I'm going to start me a rehab, free rehab for people that can't afford that wants to get in the program. And they was like, you got one here. This is your rehab, you know, on my job. And he said, you know, there's nine people in here that were using when you came to work here that are, you know, I, it, just trying to live by example is what I try to do. And I'm not ashamed of my addiction. You, you, like, I tell people right up front that, you know, hey, I'm an addict that, you know, and, and I've been to prison and if you, you know, but, uh, I, I do live a program life. I go to meetings of certain, certain nights I go to meetings and, uh, you know, Nashville, uh, I, I was living in Nashville at an Oxford house and, uh, I lived there for four years, but, uh, you know, we had 200 meetings a day in Nashville, so I could find me several meetings for work every day. So the meetings really help you? Yeah, everything, I, I think a little bit of everything. I use the NAAA and Celebrated Recovery. I, I just, like, I really was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I always say that what you're doing, that you don't have to stick by just one fellowship. You could use multiple fellowships, learn a little bit from each one and make your own program. Yeah. And uh, when I first come to NA, I I was, I was really mad at God and and I'm not, I'm spiritual, not religious, spiritual. I have a relationship with a God of my understanding. And, you know, I, I don't, pushed religion and all that on people but uh, you, you know I was mad at God about this free will I wanted God to make me put that pipe down and stop and, and you know <laughs> and I sit there like for them 90 meetings and I'm in there and like finally I was like okay this ain't gonna work you know you're not changing I gotta change so and then I start them steps of the, you know, they were so good to me at working the steps the first time. It was such a, like, I, there was such a load off me when I got through them steps at the first time. And I had my first sponsor. He was good. Like, you know, I couldn't ask for a better sponsor. He worked in a, a rehab and like he had heard all the crap and he had, you know, he had, he knew every scam. And so if I, he seen me trying to scam or get over on the program, he called me out. And, and you know, I know I wouldn't be clean today without that. Yeah. Having the assistance of someone who's done it, been there, you know, that obviously is a uh, pretty powerful. Oh yeah. Uh, then, uh, talk to my sponsors every day i've got two or three people sponsors i i stay in contact with them and i try to you know i i really am in love with this recovery program and, and you know i used to have it in my head and i told my wife the other night that i really love it in my heart now i mean when when i see somebody i mean just one day clean 
I know that you got to start somewhere and it makes me feel better. And I know that step 12 works because as many, you know, you can't keep it if we don't give it away. And I try to give it away. Like I'm just trying to get rid of it. <laughs> All right. So we're getting towards the end here. Let me ask you one last question. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? Uh, I sure do. Uh, if, if, you know, you want this, you can get It's your work in steps. Stay in that book. Stay concentrated on this, on recovery. Recovery is number one in my life because without recovery, I don't have a life. And uh, just remember, God has no limits. Man has the limits, but God has no limits. When he can take an old habit like me that should have been dead many years ago, that uh, I come from a place, uh, it's, you might have saw it on A&E, it's called Meth Mountain in North Alabama. They I, had, haven't, they, I haven't heard of it, no. It's on, a, you said A&E? You might check it out, it's real good. Okay. Uh, when this method epidemic hit, you know, I was right in the middle of it. I mean, right in the very middle of that. And everybody that, uh, I'm the last living one friend of mine. I mean, like I have no friends my age. They're all gone. And, you you know, I, I want to say this too. This fentanyl crisis, you know, I, I'm scared for these this next generation. It used to, you know, they sent me to jail and stuff. Now we're sending, like, you know, ODs are, are like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I really, I had a guy that I was at Oxford House with. His name is Bradley. And he come from an upper middle class family. And, and like, I seen me. And he was addicted to the fentanyl. And, like, you you know the rest of the story. I mean, and we lost him last year. And, you know, I cry every day thinking about that kid because uh, it was me. It, and God showed, you know, it you know, it was me. If I had made, uh, kept making them bad decisions and, uh, you know, it was me. And, you know, we got to do something about it. I mean, that's just, I mean. We just got to do something about it and live a life so uh, other addicts can, I mean, they can have what we got. And I, I really appreciate you out there, like, getting the message out because, uh, you know, we're losing, a you know, a, a whole nother generation. And, and you know, I, I want them to have the American, a chance at the American dream like I have. So, uh with that, you know, and I love everybody now <laughs> unconditionally. <laughs> I really do. And people, you know, when my sponsor used to make me hug people at the door at the NA meeting, and I didn't know why he had me doing that. But now I know every single thing that that book says, you know, it, the book is right. So if you use that book, you won't have no problems. Gotcha. <clears throat> Well, I thank you for that, and I also want to thank you for doing the podcast today. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel <laughs> out. If we can get this message out there, 
and, and just one person can see it and like you know I'm satisfied with that like just getting trying to get the message out and uh and I do like to fish too by the way I try to get a one or two days a week fishing in and, and I try to carry a kid out and you you know maybe we can change you know reach one teach one so saying I've never heard that one before I learned that in prison, by the way. My substitute. If you can, if he could reach one, maybe that one can reach another one, and then so on. And uh, and by the way, he was a, a military guy, and I, I got, I was a valedictorian of my substance abuse program, and I had to give the speech in front of the warden and the newspaper and everything in Montgomery, Alabama. And, you know, I, I, I'm really proud of it, but uh, that was one of the times I kind of scammed my way through it, you know, but I, I learned so much. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't the one that uh, I, I wasn't sick and tired of being sick and tired yet, but that was a, uh, it was a great, great substance abuse program thing. And, and it, it dealt with the, uh, the mental health aspect of this disease we got, you know, cause we got this crazy person in here. I do that tells me all this crazy stuff and I've had to, you know, learn to tune him out. I know to call my sponsor when I even think about listening to this voice inside my head. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn as much about this disease as possible. Actually, I start school on January the 11th. I'm going to take some classes online. That, uh, you know, when a 62-year-old man <laughs> wants to go back to school, I got a lot of people laughing and making fun of me, telling me, well, you're older than the professor. How you, you know, I'm not, I'm going back to learn as much as I possibly can about this disease we have. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just, I, I want to figure, I'm trying to figure it out every day, the, the mental health part of it. So, but, uh, like I said, I love this recovery and, and I trust the process, Like I, I believe in it with all my heart. If you do what that, you know, do what you're supposed to do, what the book says, you, you know, you're going to come out on the other side to the good. All right, my friend, I really appreciate you doing this today. Like I said before, it really uh, means a lot. And. I really appreciate it, like I said. So did you have anything, have anything else you want to say before we go? What now? Do you have anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, anytime you need somebody to get on here and preach for you, you can call me. Sounds good, I will. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm not, I've got a message and then I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to, before the, I get cured, when they put me that eight foot deep or six foot deep, I, I'm going to tell as many people as possible about how wonderful this recovery process is. Good and I people like you. All right, my friend, sit tight. I really appreciate you doing this again today. 
And for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media platforms like Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you will find plenty of free resources and free literature. So that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.